are in something rather new. We've done this two other years gone by. We did it in 14, we did it in 16, we're doing it again in 18. We're doing an encounter series, and this is an intentional way of doing our, our best to connect with God in a very personal, intimate way, and we would encounter Him, and more about that in just a few moments. So we began this last week, and uh, you can see that the crosses last week were loaded with cards, but instead of uh, making no more room available for the cards, for those of you who have a prayer request, um, I, I moved them. And so it's not unholy to do that. God will still hear our prayers, whether you put it up there or I put it up there, um, but we will continue to do that. You know, we want to make as much room as possible for people who would have these different things. So we'll give you more information on all of that. So go ahead, grab your tablet, your smartphone, whatever it is you're going to work from today so that we can get into this message. I'm excited about it. I believe God has a word for all of us, and we are going to move forward. This is week two, week two of a five-week series entitled, entitled Divine Encounters. The message itself is entitled, Encounter Overwhelming Obstacles. Encounter Overwhelming Obstacles. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, this series, this series is completely unlike what we normally do on a Sunday morning. It's a little bit different, and it's a good different. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful, especially our guests. You don't know any better. You think this is the way we always do it, but we'll let you understand that as we go along. We believe, we believe that the God of heaven is not only a God to be understood, but also a God that he would be experienced, that he would be experienced. And that's not just the responsibility of God to make happen. No, it's our responsibility as well. Our role is to make a time and a place that we can actually pursue God in a very special way, which is what we're doing right now, that kind of thing. I'll explain more of that as we go along in the message as well. It is so important to have a clear focus of God, to know who God really is, all of who God is. It's very important, and I want you to know that. And one of the best ways to get close to God is not, is not necessarily to have another Bible study that's going to give you a bunch more information that you have to put in your little computer bank. It's more than that. I believe that there is a tendency to only have a relationship with God that is purely a cognitive approach. In other words, defining that word, defining that thought is relating to a being involving conscious and intellectual activity within your mind. <laughs> Sounds a little new age to me. But anyhow, it's in our mind and therefore we've learned it and we can move on. I'm here to tell you today that's not enough. That doesn't cut it with God. There's a whole lot more to God than what you can think of in your mind. A book you can read that would begin to have you think this. There's a whole lot more to the kingdom of God than just that. Give me an amen. amen. So listen, please. God cannot be fully understood until he is experienced. It's projected behind me. I say it again. God cannot be fully understood until he is experienced. Part of the Christian life includes what we call encounters. An encounter is a special closeness uh, with God at a particular time. We are intentional today to encounter God. The worship team was intentional today to lead us in the presence of God through worship, and they did a phenomenal job. It's intentional. So let me tell you my first encounter with God, my very first encounter with God, and 98% of the people in this room already know that, but let me be quick. And that happened on July 5th, 1971, in the south side of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 16 years old is how old I was back in 19, 1971. 
And I went down to visit my brother, my oldest brother. Uh, he was like my hero in my life. I went down to be with him for the whole summer. I walk into his house. I got my suitcases. I've got hair down to my shoulders. I did. And I got a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. And as I walked by my brother, who I loved and just about worshipped in so many levels, uh, he said to me, he says, Randy, you need Jesus. I stopped dead in my tracks, and I looked at him, and I said, I'm a Catholic. In other words, I know Jesus. What do you mean you need Jesus? And then he says, no, I mean this. You need to be born again. I went from confused to even more confused. I said, what does that mean? What does that mean? And Paul, my oldest brother, began to explain some of that to me. And he was telling me about a small Catholic church just around the corner from where he was living at that particular time. And he says, there's something really cool happening in that little Catholic church. And you ought to go check it out. So I ended up doing that. It was a Monday night, July 5th, 1971. It was a Monday night. I went to this small Catholic church. I got pictures of it. I've showed pictures before. I don't have them right now. But anyhow, I went to this little church, and it was down in the basement. It was like a one-story kind of dwelling and uh, went down in the basement. And there were probably 40, 50, 60 uh, young adults, teenagers, college kids, whatever, however you'd want to. I was probably one of the youngest in the room. There were priests and there were nuns and they were playing guitars and singing songs. And they began to worship. And things began to happen as they were worshiping. All of a sudden, I'm feeling something. Sort of like what I felt here a little bit ago. But something was happening to me. I was feeling something. 16-year-old, I'm a jerk, I'm an idiot, I've done things that were stupid in my life. I don't deserve anything from God or anybody, and yet I'm feeling something. After the service was over, I walked over. There's a set of stairs that would take me up into the parking lot. I went to the front of the church, a small little yard. I'm standing there in the grass. The Philadelphia, I think Philadelphia Phillies were playing. Something was going on in the stadium. I could throw a hardball and hit the stadium. That's how close I was. And, uh, and I'm standing there, and all I could do, sorry night, I could see the stars, and I simply said this to God. I said, if this is real, I want it. And all of a sudden, something came and hit me. I mean, it just hit me. And honestly, people, you're not, some of you are not going to understand what I'm saying, but I began to weep, and I began to cry. I knew immediately that all of my sin had been forgiven, and I had a lot of sin. All of my sin had been forgiven. And then I began to pray in tongues. Nobody told me what tongues were. I, I now know it was tongues, but I'm just jabber-jawing, you know, with God, and I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't even know what I'm doing. It changed my life. It changed my entire life. And I want to make it very clear to you, my encounter was with God. My encounter was with God. It wasn't with my brother Paul. What Paul ended up doing for me is that he made an, oppor an opportunity for me to connect with God. And that's my job today. My job with all of you today is that, that somehow or another we can create an environment where people can meet with God. You're not going to be speaking in tongues, especially if you're afraid of tongues. Don't worry about that. That's my story. Your story would be completely different, I'm sure, however that may be. But what, what I'm doing is doing my best is to make a place uh, that we can meet with God in the hope that wherever you are in your spiritual journey, Wherever you are in that spiritual journey of you, that you would encounter God in a very personal, very personal, and a very powerful way. So listen, the series, this particular series uh, focus is not on the preaching. It's not on the, the worship. It's not on the many things that we typically do within a church. No, it's all about, in this series, it's all about the end of the service. It's all about 
It's about the encounter that we are looking to have with God and that God wants to meet with us. And if you would like that, give me an amen. amen. So I do want to give you a message today that I hope will set you up with a great encounter with God today. Let me say this to you. Before I read our theme verse, our theme verse, I want you to notice the ver- in this particular verse, listen to this, that Moses, that Moses ends up not where he began. I want you to just tuck that away, that Moses ends up not where he began. I'll explain that in just a few moments. We're going to cover that a little bit later. Go with me to our theme verse, which is, which is Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Listen to this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I want you to grab this. This is Moses who's writing this. He's recalling what happened on this particular time. And he says these words. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Man, in this verse, there is such closeness. There is such an intimacy that Moses has with God and God has with Moses. That Moses would write something like this. He would say that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. It would be like Moses is saying to himself. He's saying that, in other words, I could hear God and God could hear me. That's how deep, that's how penetrating this was. Moses is saying, so we're speaking like a man speaks with his friend. And this point is really important to me, really important to me for everybody, but in particular, my men, in particular, the men of of the church, because one of the most difficult things for men to grab a hold of is this thing called prayer. It's hard for us to really understand what most of us have done with prayer or talking to God. That's what prayer is. What most of us have done with prayer or talking with God is that we have formalized it. Most of us men just simply formalize it. We think that it's a a formal kind of thing. We, We make it to be something other than what it is. In other words, we end up talking to God like no other way we talk to other people. We don't talk to other people like we often talk to God. And maybe one way that you talk to God is something like this. Oh God, thou art holy. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Thou art so good to meest. Thank you, my God. Now listen, poking a little fun, and maybe you do pray in the original King James Version. I don't know why, but anyhow, um, I, I poke a little bit of fun, but I'm saying this. If that is your prayer life, if that's what you think you're supposed to do, that you approach God that way, in my opinion, in Randy Chiz's opinion, in my opinion, there's no closeness with you and God. No way. There's no closeness with you and God. There's no uh, familiarity with you and God. In fact, I will even go so far as to say you don't even think he's your best friend. If you talk like that to God, it just doesn't work. The Bible tells us that Moses had a face-to-face relationship with God. And that's our goal. That's what we're looking for in the series. This is what we're looking for every single day of our lives. Go with me to Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Did this last week. Say it again. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide that we might have hope. 
So everything you see in the Bible, this experience with Moses, whatever the things are you see in the Bible, it's not there just for information that we can stock up in the back of our brain somewhere, but it's a reality that what God did then, God can do now. And the hope that we have is exactly that. That what you did with Moses, what you've done with, with uh, Joshua, what you've done with whoever, God, you can even do that with me. The Bible tells us that it gives us hope. It gives us hope. And so that's where we're standing today. And you may be wondering, why is all of that so important to you? Well, listen, if you're not careful, your whole Christian life will be built on just your beliefs. If you're not careful, your whole Christian life could be built on just your beliefs. Listen to me. Beliefs are critically important. I understand that. I'm not a, not a numbskull. Sometimes I am. I am, but... Don't get me wrong. I believe they're important. But as your pastor, what I want for you more than anything else, and in particular in this series, is for you to personally experience God's power, God's presence, and God's promises in your life. That's what I want for you above all else. You can get some of that in a word. But until you encounter God, until you experience that with God, those are just simply words tumbling off my lips. And for that person who experiences that kind of power, that kind of presence, and those kind of promises of God, it changes you. Changes you forever. That's why the Apostle Paul, who was a true intellectual, a true intellectual. In fact, the Bible says that, that Paul had no equal when it would come to his knowledge about the law or about the theology of the day. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Paul is saying, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words. Thank God that verse is in there that I don't have to come up with wise and persuasive words. But with a demonstration of, of, of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom but on God. He says the words, not with persuasive words. Let me say this to you. According to what we see and know about the Apostle Paul... Oh, he could have gone there. Oh, yeah, he could have gone there. He could have easily argued you into believing whatever it was that he believed. He had that power. He had that ability. But Paul knew that that's not the reason. That's not the point of doing what he's doing. There's no reason behind that that he would do that. Paul is making it clear. It wasn't with persuasive words so that I can convince you. So that I can have a power and a presence in your life. Paul said, that's not the vision. That's not what it is. So that your faith would not rest on church services. Your faith would not rest on videos or on messages or man's wisdom. What man can come up with. But he says, but that your faith would rest on the power of God. You and I need to understand we need the power of God. We don't need him or her to change our whole life. We need God. It is God. Thank God for those who serve. Thank God for those who give. Thank God for those who help us. But ultimately, he says, we need to rest on the power of God. Your focus would be on God. So, we are going to look at Moses' encounter with God. And my thoughts and my prayer is something like this. My hopes are something like this. That if, if we were to talk with someone who had an encounter with God, and they told you how they got there, they told you the steps that they took, how deep it was, how incredibly amazing it was to have an, an encounter with God. I've said this to God a zillion times. If I just had one millisecond of your presence revealed to me, I would forever be changed. Again, I goes, I've been changed a lot of times. 
even this morning in this service. God, if, if we could just experience that. So if, if you were to talk to someone who had an experience like that with God, it just might help you to have that same experience. Not the exact same one, but you would connect with God. There would be an encounter between you and the God of heaven. So let's look at Moses' story. I'm of the, the opinion that a lot of people know about Moses. Maybe not know everything about Moses, but a lot of us, most of human society, I think, know a bit about Moses. At the very least, the parting of the Red Sea. But there's also other areas and avenues that talk about the story of Moses. Moses, it would be maybe in movie form, uh, maybe even with Disney, the Prince of Egypt. You know, I don't know how many of you saw that or know about that, but anyhow, let me talk to you a little bit. Let me give you a little bit of background of Moses. So the story starts this way. There was this Hebrew baby boy that was put in a basket to save his life. And he's now in the Nile River. Pharaoh's sister finds him floating down the Nile River, uh, takes him into her own home, and she raises him to be a prince of Egypt. Then down the road a little bit, they find out that he's actually a Hebrew. And all of that got him into a lot of trouble. Conflict after conflict as a result of who he really is. And it ends up that he murders Moses murders an Egyptian slave master. And now he's in exile as well. He was sent out to the backside of the desert, the Bible tells us. And here now, he's been there 40 years. He's been in the backside of the desert for the last 40 years of his life. And the story picks up here. Moses is now 80 years old. As I begin to read you Exodus chapter 3, you can find that in your Bible. We're going to go through Exodus 3, verses 1 through 6. I think we're going to do, we'll do a few more as well. But here, Moses is actually 80 years old. Go with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. And it says these words. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. Let me stop right there just for a moment. Because I think what this is saying is something that may be pertinent to you, whoever you are. These verses are talking about, about the far side of the wilderness. About the far side of the wilderness. It, another translation would say a desert. So it's somewhere that it's, it's dry, sort of lifeless around there. In my humble opinion, there's probably some of us who are here today that you would say, that's how I characterize my relationship with God right now. I feel like God is far away. It's on the far side and everything is rather dry inside of me. I'm not feeling it. I'm not understanding it. Let me say it this way to you. Most people believe that God exists, but very few people feel close to God. Few people. Maybe you would be, maybe you would also characterize your relationship with God as that relationship. It is far and it is dry. Or maybe another way it is that I'm distant and I just don't seem to connect with, with God. I don't know why I can't connect with him, but I just don't I just don't seem to connect. I'm not getting a lot out of this relationship. And really, this is what Moses is saying when he says these words, that he went to the far side, far side, and that it was dry, it was disconnected. Go with me to verse 2. Oh, it gets better as we go along. Verse 2, Then uh, there, uh, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush, from within a bush. And Moses saw that, uh, saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So, um, I want to be clear, really clear to you, and I hope it doesn't scare you, especially if you don't know God. 
If you should be here today, and we welcome you, man, we really do. But if you don't think you believe in God, you don't even know if there is a God, I don't even know why I'm here today. If you've got those thoughts, hang with me. Maybe some things will make sense. But here's what I want to say of this, of this particular verse, verse 2. God is notorious for creating strange ways to draw you to himself. He's notorious with that. <clears throat> in fact, a lot of times God would do really strange things to get our attention. Would do really strange things to talk to us. Would do really strange things so that you and him would encounter in one way or another. God does those kind of things. And so you know, when God does those strange things, he hardly ever, I want to say never, but I'm not that sure. Hardly ever will he do the exact same thing again with somebody else. In other, in other words, it's a one-time experience for those people. And of course, of course, of course, there are those out there who think, well, that's the only way that God always does it. In other words, if there's not a burning bush in your miracle, then God isn't there. That wasn't a miracle that would come from God, which is a bunch of bunk. You know, I don't believe in that. I don't see that at, at all. Um, if you haven't seen a burning bush with your miracle, then there is, there is no God in the midst of your, your miracle that you claim. Actually, just so you know, only one time. Only one time God spoke through a burning bush this way. I know it's strange. I know that, that a lot of what God does is strange. It's not typical. It's not the norm. It's not what we, we consider to be the typical. And probably we even have some guests in this room, after watching our worship and a little bit of what you've experienced so far with this guy up front, you're probably thinking, you know what, you're strange too, man. I'm sitting here looking at you and you are strange. You know, I get it, it's okay. But I will grow on you. Somehow or another, I'm just going to grow on you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Exodus 3. Go with me to verse 3 now. Verse 3 of that same chapter. Exodus 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Now listen, man. That's your decision. When you see something supernatural, when you see something that you, makes no sense to you, you don't understand it, that's your decision whether you want to go and check it out or not. Let me just say this to you. In my 47 years of following Jesus, of knowing Jesus, 47 years, uh, I've experienced a lot of strange things that, that God has done with me and to me and through me. I've experienced a lot of things in 47 years. Some of them are strange and weird and sort of scary, and some of them are really good. So let me go to my very first time when I went to an Assembly of God church back in 1975. Marianne and I and our family went to Grace Assembly of God, and when I went in there, now I'm Roman Catholic, very committed, very involved with the Catholic Church, especially since I've been born again. I mean, it's been, it's been really great. Um, but when I walk into this church, um, I thought, these people are crazy, man. <laughs> you know, they got their hands raised, they're clapping, some people are crying. I mean, they're weird, and I thought that they were crazy. But I also want to let you know, but I liked it. I liked it, too. I mean, we walked out of the church. We got in the car. I remember telling Marianne, we're never going back there. They're weird. I want nothing to do with this church. But by the end of the week, I wanted to go back. I went to the Catholic Church one more time, and then after that, we started going regularly to that particular Assembly of God church. I liked it, and I wanted it by the end of the week. And what I'm saying is, it took me deeper. I went deeper in my walk with God. Not saying I couldn't go deep with God in Catholic Church, but for Randy Chiz, what I needed was this. And I went deeper. Moses wanted to know why the bush doesn't burn. So we find in verse 4 in, in that same chapter, he says, When the Lord saw that, that uh, he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Let me say that again. 
When Moses went to see this strange sight, why isn't this, the, 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 the bush, why isn't it being consumed by the fire? Why is that happening? While he was there, God called to him. God called to him from the bush. So when God sees you in your spiritual journey and you see something that you don't understand, but, but there is something in you that's drawing you to God and you take a step toward it to explore it just a little bit, let me tell you these two things. Number one, God sees that. When God puts something before you, when God shows you something, when it's strange, weird, strange, or amazingly strange, God sees that you see that. And secondly, he likes it. He likes it when you go toward that thing that God is doing within your life. God knows exactly what you're going through right now. He knows everything about you. You're his, his son, his daughter. He loves you. He knows everything about you. And at this stage of where you're at in your own spiritual journey, I go back to the verses here. And when God saw Moses had gone over to look at the strange thing, God called to Moses from that strange thing. He called out to Moses. And that's my hope with every one of you. In some way, you are, you are drawn to something that you really don't understand. And in the middle of that, God begins to speak to you. You're drawn to this. You're drawn to that. Whatever it may be. It may be a scripture verse. It may, who knows what it could be. But God, he will begin to speak to you in that. And God spoke to him. And you see that in verse 4. He says, Moses, Moses. No, let me say it another way. Moses. <laughs> Moses. I wish I had a deep voice like a real man has. But anyhow. Verse 5, then he says this, this is incredible, don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you stand is holy ground. My tears because of the holy ground that God so often allows me to go to. Sorry. This is so important. God brought Moses into this moment and he lets him realize this is something significant. This is something very holy at this particular moment. And just so you know, just so you know, church, only God can do that. You, you and I can't muster up holiness. We're not holy. We're not set up. We're not that great of people, no matter how amazing we are. We're just not that. And God sets that up. Only God can do that. God brings you to the place that is holy to God. He brings you and I into that. It's, holy means to be set apart. It means to be special. It means to be unique. It is a special, unique moment with you and God. He brings us into that and he says to Moses, wait a minute. This is holy ground. This is a holy place. For you to experience God, the only thing that I can do to, uh, is to create the environment where those kind of things can happen. I can't make it happen. You can't make it happen. Only God does. As you take steps toward him, it becomes holy. It becomes something special for him with you. And that's where we're going today. We're, we're going to create an environment of holy moments for you through song and worship and prayer, through communion going to the cross, coming here, being prayed for by the intercessors. Whatever that may be for you, this is where it's going to be. And then he says in verse 6, then he said, he said, I am, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face because he was afraid. Let me take you back a little bit more to the beginning when I talked about that 
theme verse <clears throat> in verse chapter 3 which is where we are right now the Bible tells us <clears throat> that Moses hid his face but we find in chapter 33 that I read to you earlier that it was Moses with God face to face so Moses in this encounter Moses in this encounter went from a I don't understand you God I don't get it I'm uncomfortable with you God he goes from from hiding his face in chapter 3 <clears throat> to a face-to-face -face with God in, in chapter 33. So the following verses, I believe that that's what's going to happen for us. I believe that even though we may be hesitant and we experience God, we encounter God, whether it's here at church or in your car, if you're driving a Ford, it probably won't happen in a Ford, but if you're in a Chevy, it will more than likely take place. I'm just kidding. You can experience God anywhere. And we're trying to do our best to make that happen, to, in, to make it an environment for that to happen to us in some way. I believe, I believe that, uh, let, me, let me jump back, let me get back to where I originally was. He went from uh, hiding his face to a face-to-face -face witness with God. Uh, the following verses that we're going to be dealing with as we begin to close off this message is this conversation that Moses had with God. And you need to understand this. <clears throat> Moses now responds with four excuses. I'm going to give you four excuses that Moses had, or four obstacles to encountering God, or four obstacles to getting closer to God. Remember, the title of this message today is Encounter Overwhelming Obstacles. And I believe that what Moses is saying, you have dealt with the same thing. Randy Chiz is currently dealing with the same thing. You know, these, these four different things um, are the same things that you and I would begin to believe that we cannot. Because of this, I cannot have an encounter with God. I cannot... Uh, get close to God. I cannot have a face-to-face -face with him. Go with me to the, my first point, and that is, who am I? Who am I? Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? That's his first excuse. The first obstacle that Moses thought was a good reason for him to not for him to not get close to God was himself. It was because of who he is, because of his past, because of his sin, because of his shame and regret. Whatever those things are in our life. In other words, his talk to God would be something like this. Hey, hey God, obviously you've not been paying very close attention to me. Who I really am. God, I'm all messed up. I'm in exile right now. I'm a murderer. I've, I've got issues in my life. I don't know if that's speaking to you or not. He's saying, God, I'm, I'm not your man. I'm not your man. I'm the wrong guy. God, you got this one wrong, man. I'm not the guy. I'm not who you would want. And he says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, so Moses would ask the question, who am I? And you would think that God being God, he would just simply say, hey, you want to know who you are? I'll tell you who you are. You are, but he didn't do that. Nor will he ever do that. God doesn't do that with us. What God does God says, he says the word, I will, verse, uh, verse 12, Exodus 3, 12. He, he says, God says, I will. I will. I will. In other words, God redirects Moses, not to Moses' character. He's not trying to pump him up. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. He's not doing that. But instead what he's doing is that he's redirecting it, all on, it to be all on God's character. God says, I will. I will. 
It's a mistake that a lot of us make as we approach God. We think that we can only get close to God as we are worthy enough to get close to God. And as you think those thoughts, I've got sirens and I've got whistles and I've got bells and lights going off in my head right now. As you think that we can only get as close to God as we are worthy to get close to God. Listen, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. None of us in and of ourselves are worthy to get to God. Not one of us. Not Mother Teresa. Not Billy Graham who's in heaven today, thank God. Not any of us are ever going to be worthy. Come on, I need an amen. In fact, let's give the one who's worthy all the praise right now. We praise you, God. We praise you. So clearly, it tells us right here that you don't come to God based on your self-worth. You come to God based on he says, on my worth. You don't focus on who you are. God says you focus on who I am. You don't focus on what you've done. God says you focus on what I've done. What I've done. God is totally redirecting Moses' thought process. And here's how it plays out next for the person moving toward encounter. Okay, so here we are. We're at Word of Life. We're being drawn into an encounter experience with God in the next few minutes that's going to happen. And you're feeling the tug. You're feeling the, pu the pull. Worship is sweet. The presence of God is real. And honestly, honestly, you can tell it's primed. It's, I, I'm, I'm moving toward, just like Moses was moving toward that bush, I'm being invited in to come closer to God. But then. Yep, but then you hear, but what about that? Yep, Slufa, the enemy, the devil. He says, but what about that? What about, what about the lie that you told your buddy last Friday at work? He didn't believe you from the beginning, but you swore. You swore that it was the truth. And you know you're nothing but a liar. You're a liar. Oh, what about you, Missy? Oh, uh-huh, yeah. I happen to know you were with him until 1 in the morning. 1 a.m. What have you been doing with this guy all by yourself all night long? Yeah, and you think... You think that you're going to be able to uh, go in there and, and after last night and you're going to be able to clap your hands and sing songs and act like everything is all right. It's not going to work for you, sissy. It's not going to work for you, buddy. That's not how it works here. You are not able to do that. Listen to me. Listen. The devil is a liar and he will lie to you every single time. You need to understand that. You have... you. He would tell you that you can't have an encounter with God. And as I said to you a moment ago, he is a liar. I want to give you a scripture verse proving that he's a liar that is not in your notes. But let me read it. Listen carefully. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, My dear children, I'm writing, you, I'm, I'm writing this to you so that you would not sin. The will of God is that you don't sin. That you would not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The one who is our truly, who is truly righteous. He himself has become the sacrifice that atones our sins. And not your sins only, but the sins of the entire world. That's who our God is. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. He's a great God. The first thing we have to overcome in order to get past our obstacles is that we have to overcome condemnation. Condemnation. The fact of the matter is condemnation will always keep you from getting closer to God. You will always be condemned. By the way, it's the devil's favorite fiery dart that he loves to throw at you and me to condemn us. To condemn us. 
So the devil plays the tape back over and over again in your mind, in your head. But what about, what, but what about, but what about whatever those things were? The devil works extra hard to make sure that you don't formally connect with God, that you don't powerfully connect with God. He will do everything in his power to make sure it doesn't happen. I don't know about you, I don't know about your life, but Randy Chis will tell you about his. I am tempted towards sin. It looks so delicious. It looks so enticing. I get there and I begin to compromise and to think, you know what, I deserve this. It's okay with me to get this. And the second, the millisecond I do that sin, I am under condemnation immediately. And you call yourself a pastor. You say you're a man of, I mean, don't you hear this? You're all looking like, we've never heard anything like that before. You're lying through your teeth right now, too. We've all been there. That's exactly how the, uh, the enemy operates. In fact, condemnation is very different when it comes from God. How he deals with us when we mess up. Listen, listen. God never condemns us. God never condemns. If he condemns you, it's over forever. But he doesn't condemn us. In fact, we find within the scriptures in John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God doesn't condemn us. He doesn't... He doesn't come to tell you how bad you were and that you need to be locked up somewhere. No, Jesus came. Jesus came uh, to give us a way out from, what, uh, from under the sin that we've been caught up into. From God's side of things. Uh, conviction. God brings conviction, not condemnation. Conviction says, here's what you've done wrong. And, uh, and let me show you the way out, get out from underneath this. Condemnation says, look at how bad you are. You're never going to change, you little loser. You know, that's what, that's what the enemy tells you and I. That's where we're at. God never con condemns us in our wrong. He understands that we are sinners. God is big enough to understand that you and I will fail, but he's made a way, a provision for us to be forgiven of our sin, and it comes through Jesus Christ himself. I'm going to go past the, the, the last verse of that. Let me go right down to the next point. Point number two is, who are you? Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them that, God of the, that the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What am I going to tell them? Good question. Good question. This is, this is actually Moses who's speaking and he's saying to God, who are you? And it's Moses' second hurdle that he has to work over. And that is of getting close to God and establishing how powerful our God really is. He had to establish that. I assume at this point with Moses that he's really not that fire, on fire with God. He feels that God has disappointed him. The, the Jews have been in, in, um, in uh, slavery for hundreds of years. And, and he's, he's not experiencing a powerful God at all. So more than likely, at this particular moment, he has really small thinking of God. So he says, okay, fine. Suppose I am going to be your man, even though you haven't shown me much power of recently. And he says in verse 13, he says, what am I supposed to tell them? And then in verse 14, God said to him these words. He says, I am that I am. I am who I am. And in case you're wondering, that's not God sidestepping the answer to the question. No, it's actually what God is saying is who he is. You want to know how big I am, how powerful I am? I can't give you a list. I can't even give you a list describing who I am, and you would be able to comprehend who I am. You see, it's like no matter the question you ask me if I am, I am. 
I am. The answer is yes, I am. And the rest of verse 14 says, he says, all you need to do is to tell them that I am sent me to you. You can find that in the verse, in verse 14. I am sent me to you. Our second barrier is how big is our God? How big is your God? How big is your God? Come on, really think about that with me for a minute. Um, by the way, there, there is a group of people out there in theological terms, they're called sensationist, sensationist uh, theology. In other words, they believe that God doesn't do this anymore. They believe that he no longer does great things and he will never do a great thing again, is what they believe. They believe he doesn't save people, he doesn't heal people, he doesn't work in people's lives. And that's a bunch of lies, isn't it? Amen. They are full of lies. I was going to say full of something else, but they're full of lies. <laughs> we, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking that what you're thinking right now. <laughs> what we have to overcome, we, we have to overcome uh, our doubts as to who and how great our God really is. So what I'm asking all of you to do this is to begin to believe. Ask God, reveal yourself to me, God. I want to know, I want to believe you for being a great God. Ask God again and become that follower of God and have enough faith to believe that with God all things are possible. With God all things are possible. I want to jump over to that, to that next part of that, that verse. Let me go to number three because of time. I want to get you out of here in the right time. So it says here, uh, verse number three is, what if they, Moses, next hurdle, what if they, Exodus 4.1, and Moses says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? I think this is a great question. What if they won't listen to me? What if I go back to them and tell them, hey, I walked by a burning bush and God spoke to me? I mean, they're going to think you're nuts. Moses is saying, hey, God, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm goofy. They're going to want to put me in the psych ward. What if I tell them and they won't listen to me? Listen, church. If we're not careful, what people ultimately think of you and I is going to direct our lives. And that's not the important thing. The important thing is not what you think about Randy Chiz. My, the most important thing in my life is what does God think about me? Am I doing what he wants me to, be, to do and to be what he wants me, wants me to be? Um, I'm, I'm looking to how to move forward with my notes so that we can get beyond this because i got a lot more to say and I'm out of time already. Um, in other words... Uh, uh, let me ask you this as you move toward your encounter in just a couple of minutes. And that is, do you, do you care more about what people think or what God thinks? I remember some of my first encounters, some encounters that I've had with God and some of my decisions with God. I do think about people a lot. I think about what people would think of me with this particular thing going on in my life. But what you and I have to overcome with all of that is fear. You can't worry about what people would think about you. You've got to be consumed with, be in touch with what God thinks about you, with what you're doing. Are you doing what God wants you to do? What may be keeping you and I from an encounter with God is the fear of what others would think. For some who are here today to encounter God, the next step is you need to identify what's keeping you from God. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's how you see yourself. And you need to see how God is looking at you. Maybe number two would be is... is uh, uh, your God is way too small. You need to begin to believe that he is greater and bigger. He, with God, all things are possible. Or number three, your problem is people. You worry too much about what other people would think about you. What others would think about you. My last and final point, number four, the team is going to come out, is that I never have. Moses says, I never have. Um, I've never done that before, God. 
in order for you and I to encounter God, you're going to have to do something that you've never done before. Get ready. It's going to happen to you. As you walk forward with God, you will end up doing something you have never done before. It's a given. In other words, there is a step of faith that you will have to take with God. You're going to have to do that. Exodus 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in, in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. You're asking me to speak, God, and I don't speak. I don't speak. I want you to notice right here, God picked a stutterer. A stutterer, I think is how you would say that, who didn't like the stage to get up on the stage and speak. Why would God do that? He would do that because God will reward your faith. God is wanting you to take a step of faith to trust him. Whatever he says to you, trust him with that particular thing. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to understand God likes it when we move toward the burning bush. God likes it, and he, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. The truth of the majority of us here in this room today, you need an encounter with God. I said you need it. Not that you just want it, but you need it. Where I'm at right now, what I'm dealing with right now, I need you to speak to me. I need to encounter you, God. And you will never fully understand how incredible those encounters will really be until you experience one yourself. In just a minute, I'm going to have you come forward. We didn't do the offering like we did last week. We will go back to the regular offering. This is the third Sunday of the month. So we do a missions emphasis just for a minute. And what you're going to do is that you're going to take your mission offering. Here's mine. I doubled the amount of money that I normally give on missions. Uh, what you're going to do in just a moment is get up out of your seat as we begin the encountering time and bring your tithe. If I could have our people come on down and stand down here. It looks like John and Kathy from here. They're going to stand down here to take your offering. When they're done, they're going to go. And you have a choice while worship is going on to go back to your seat and worship God. You can go over here to the cross, put on your prayer request over on the far outside uh, of the stage, there is uh, communion. You can have Holy Communion. You can come and be prayed for intercessors. If you would make your way down, please. The intercessors would be here ready to pray for you if you would like. But before we do that, let me read to you about our mission today. Hurricane Maria. The final report of Hurricane Maria is in, and it's jaw-dropping and staggering. It caused $90 billion, $90 billion in damage when it hit Puerto Rico last September, making it the third highest cost in U.S. modern history. It exploded in intensity with sustained winds going from 85 miles an hour to 165 miles an hour in just 25, uh, 24 hours. Can you believe that? Can you fathom that? China to the sixth fastest intensifying hurricane in the Atlantic. It was the most destructive hurricane to hit Puerto Rico in modern day history. The eye wall tripled before uh, making landfall. It was 28 miles wide, making Maria's wrath all the worse. Hurricane force winds were, were, whoop, uh, were um, uh, whooping across 120 miles. I don't know what that word is, I typed it wrong. When it hit Puerto Rico, it knocked down 80% 
80% of the island's utility poles and transmission lines. Nearly all 3.4 million residents lost power and cell service in addition to losing their water supply. The official death stands at 65 people, young and old alike, but that could go even higher pending the government report and review. You don't have to. You really don't. You don't have to, but we get to. All of us here at Word of Life have an opportunity to literally go to ground zero in Puerto Rico in the next couple of months, every one of us. Not every one of us can physically go to that location, but we can be contributors, and we can be a part of the work that is going to take place those three weeks, those three weeks that our people are going to be spending in Puerto Rico. We have 36 men and women who are physically going to Puerto Rico to serve, to make a difference in the lives of those precious people there. Today's offering is going to help offset the cost of them going to Puerto Rico. We're going to take up an offering. I've already told you, I've doubled mine what I normally give. I'm, I'm not bragging, I'm just letting you know so that maybe you'd be convicted to do the same. I gotta be honest. Today's offering is gonna help offset all of that. So you know, $5,000 per team. There's three teams going. $5,000 per team for supplies and construction. $750 per person for their housing, food, and transportation. And $500, about $500 per person for flights from Syracuse to Ground Zero. So I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your seat. Come down and give your offering, your missions offering. When they're done, these two people will leave and then we will continue with our encounters and I will close off the service in just a few minutes. Heavenly Father, thank you for these men and women who are willing to go to serve. Thank you for all of us, oh God, all who are in this room who are willing to give so that, Lord, it would be possible without a lot of hindrance that they would be able to go and to serve. So I pray a great blessing on this. I pray, God, that you will take this money that we are giving for Puerto Rico and use it greatly for this month's mission's emphasis. I trust you for that, and I ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Would you please get up out of your seats and come on, let's give to God as an act of worship, and we will continue in our encounter.